the weekend still. Oh, it's the weekend of Polo Boys. Weekend of Polo Boys. Back recording on Sundays, but still releasing on Thursdays. That's right. Po Boys. Po Po Ho 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 Boys. Our famous slogan. Recording on Sundays, but still releasing on Thursdays. And to the listener, you might you might think, does that really matter when you're recording? Um, You know, it's always released on Thursdays. And the answer is, to our value to life, yes. Yeah. Because (laughs) we're recording on these weekends. You know, we got nothing else going on. I mean, we got some workout. But you know. Um, Oh, really? Mine's push day. Um, Friday. Oh, for me, I, I, I apps Friday. I um, it's a long, it's a long, long story. Um, sure. I'm just pushing away the paparazzi as people mm-hmm. keep asking me, Pete, Pete, Pete. Let's ask some questions, Mando, Mandalorian. And I'm like, ugh, fine, psych. And then I push him. So got him. Um, I have to, you know, do an extra push day on top of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, this episode, um, is coming out on Thursday the 15th? No, uh, 13th. Is that how dates work? 14th. 14th. There you go. Thursday the 14th. Two days after the release of the premiere episode of Mandalorian. One day after the release of the second episode. Don't forget, folks. Two episodes that first week. And um, we still do not have the app. I don't think we're going to get the app until the day of. That is so dumb, but that's great. Um, I do. I am concerned that, like, you you might remember when Luke Cage, for instance, debuted on Netflix, Netflix crashed. Oh, really? Because there was so much traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I'm like, that was just one show within an app. I'm wondering, and I'm sure Disney probably has the hindsight to throw the money at the problem in advance. But, they like, do what not. happens when the entire app is being swarmed. Not just one piece of content on the app, but, like, the app itself is just, like, drops. That's probably why they're doing this on a Tuesday, because... Because I don't... Can you remember... I guess Apple TV recently launched, but, like, Netflix and Hulu, when those started becoming a thing, those streaming services, HBO Go even, I think, had, a like, a gentle rollout, first among subscribers and stuff, but I don't remember, like, a streaming service <clears throat> dropping, like a release date for a streaming service type thing. No, I don't remember that either. But Crazy. we don't know anything, like, when it, what time of the day it's going to come out. What, that, that part's killing me. Like, even, does it come, does the app come out at midnight, and then do shows come out at a certain time? Does everything drop at midnight? How have they not released this information? Yeah. Which, I mean... Wild. Disney Plus is, um... <laughs> they basically know that everybody just drug addicts for their content. Um, <laughs> and when you're addicted to drugs, oh my the seller has all of the power. Um, if you watched The Wire season one, The Wire season two, Docs, or <laughs> season three or four, season four is terrible, you would know that the seller... And the producer, they have all the power. End of uh, PSA on drugs. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, powers with Disney. But so, look, um, we're kind of 
you know we're bad boys. We like to skate on thin ice sometimes because we can do that. Because even though we are very swole and very heavy because of all our muscles, we're actually very lithe, like a loath cat or a loth cat. And we have taken it. We're recording this episode on Sunday, but it doesn't come out till Thursday. Pete and I long ago, despite our rivalry with John Favreau, have been involved. Culturally, kind of philosophically, just like workplace culture, business culture, uh, we have voiced certain opinions and stuff that have been put into practice on the set of Mandalorian and things like that. We're, you know, a tertiary influence on it, so to speak. So we have we have seen uh, a vast majority of the Mandalorian in advance. We did have to sign an NDA, though I suspect we only actually we're asked to sign that because somebody wanted our autograph. It wouldn't be the first time. It'll be the last, but we agreed to that. And so we can't say anything More as a um, favor to our friend, uh, Pedro Pascal, not yeah. that we would want to do any favors for that dirt bag. John Favreau. That's right. That's right. Um, but you know, you can't, you can't let the squeaky wheel, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Squeak. We legally, can't tell you about the Mandalorian until after it airs. And as we're recording this, it hasn't aired yet. But. But. We. But. We, you won't hear it till Thursday. Uh, except you don't hear it until Thursday. Right. Barring. Barring any kind of cyber attacks. We do have a cybersecurity guy. Maybe we'll have him on one day. Should be fine. Uh, like a leak of the episode early, but that's never happened before. I don't do we have a cyber happen. guy? We do. We'll, we'll talk about it. Um, huh. So I think we we have decided we're going to do Pedro Boys. We're going to have dedicated episodes to all this. But, you know, it's a big deal. Our Pedro Boys episode won't be out until a week. Uh, <clears throat> it'll be out the Friday after. So we'll be t- discussing episodes a, a week after or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We're going to give you some early thoughts. We're not going to go too deep, but, you know, the episode just came out. Everybody's excited. You're listening to this. Uh, I think probably tomorrow when you're listening to this might be the first page of boys. We'll see. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about it. We're going to break the NDA a little bit. Don't tell anybody. We're going to, we're going to, cause you've seen it at this point. And so we can finally get into this. I've been dying. I've been dying to talk about what? So let's, let's get into it. Everybody's excited about Pedro Pascal. We're good friends with Pedro Pascal. How shocked were you, Pete, when five minutes into the show, Pedro Pascal is killed and two boys standing on each other's shoulders put on that famous Mando armor? I thought and the show really starts. I thought it was a bold choice, um, mm-hmm. but I was also, you know, at first I was so sad for our. Our boy Pedro, hashtag yeah. Pedro boys. But then I yeah, also I thought, really I also that. thought, what a bold move to take, where you kill your best actor, mm-hmm. and the person that's most excited is pushing your product so much, yeah. and then put in two no names that yeah. don't even speak English. So they also um, their direction on set, you can tell that the movements are very awkward, um, even in even going to the trailer too. A couple of the moments mm-hmm. where you're like, that's not how you take out a Trandoshan. What? Sure. That's not how you get a bounty. Making the person yeah, decapitate pretty... on the door. That's mm. actually because that's not Pedro in those scenes. It's the two small people that are put together. 
Yeah, it's two little boys on one on top of each other's shoulders. And it's crazy that nobody caught wind of that because if you go back now and you watch the trailers, like you're saying, the body language is there. It's so clearly two little boys, one was on the other shoulder wearing that famous Mandalorian armor. Mm-hmm. It's so clear in the body language and the movements. Um, it's so clear. It's it's very, very clear. It's, it's, it's clear as day. And then another big revelation for me, I really enjoyed um, Grief Karga. Uh-huh. Um, who is who is Carl Withers' character? Uh, explaining his full name is Grief Cargo Shorts, and bringing shorts into Star Wars. That's huge. Last week on Star Wars Resistance, we had Niku bring bestest friend into the Star Wars canon, and now not just shorts, but cargo shorts are a part of they brought cargo shorts they've been talking about it and this was one of the very early conversations when disney bought star wars and there was talk of you know people had a backlash to all the cgi and the more modern filmmaking that george lucas did in the prequels and lucasfilm very much was talking about we want to honor the classic stuff but we do still need to push forward but maybe george was pushing forward <laughs> in the wrong way and what he should have he, he was he was doing cgi but maybe instead of cgi he should have been looking elsewhere he should have been doing Shorts, cargo shorts. Well, this is also, it's it, it's one of the brilliant. sad things, too, about Disney being an oligopoly where, you know, they're buying out different companies and they're setting their own prices. And mm-hmm. a bunch of us um, in Poboy's LLC have been monitoring this and seeing, why is Disney buying all of these clothes manufacturers? Why are they yeah. buying Aeropostale? Why do they own no, yeah. Old Navy? And here it is. They're using Mandalorian to push out cargo shorts mm-hmm. right before luckily, right before the Christmas season. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Luckily, Pete and I, Po Boys LLC, um, shorted pants. So we're gonna come out on top of this. Um, well, that's that's what we told our money man Cody to do. Um, mm-hmm. Now he's very bad at taking instructions. But um, hopefully um, we come out on um, on a positive note, unlike when we famously spent more money on the big, big check than we actually had in our account because our money man is so, so bad. Famous original story he told. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. What an app. What an app. And I guess the last big revelation I feel like we have to talk about is that uh, Werner Herzog oh. is playing hmm? yeah that um, Obi-Wan had an um, an uncle that he never seemed to talk about until the end mm-hmm. and that's um, Obi-Dawn Kenobi. Obi-Dawn Kenobi um, mm-hmm. and that's what Herner Warzog's character's name is yeah Herner Warzog Herner Warzog Herner Warzog is Obi-Dawn Kenobi Obi and Kenobi. he has this like Jersey Shore accent. Um, that's not in yeah, the tra- as you can hear in the trailer. Yeah, as you, the, he has a Jersey Shore accent. As you can hear in the trailer, he moves away and goes into. And honestly, Herner, Herner Warzog has uh, <laughs> ha- he has such range. He is. I mean, I I n- never once was I like, hey Herner, you got a you got a Jersey Shore, and he's like, uh, GTL Jim. Oh, what is it? Jim tanning and laundry. Yeah, he I mean, then, the range yeah. that he has is just wow. 
Um, yeah, it's very. He really brought the jersey to Star Wars in a very authentic way, and it was interesting. Famously, like Rogue One, they showed a lot of footage in the trailers that ended up being very different than in the movie. And in that vein, Mandalorian, you know, they have this famous line that Herner Wurzog keeps repeating in all the trailers: "Bounty hunting is a whatever business." I'm sure you'd agree. And that's not actually the line in it. You know, now we finally have the episode, and he looks at these two little boys that are one top of the other shoulder in that famous Mandalorian armor, and goes, Bounty hunting is a Springsteenian business. Don't you agree? Yeah, and... Um, Brilliant. And it's just, there's a Star Wars character for everybody. Um, yep. And for those Jersey Shore shore rats out there... Um, Hey, you're welcome. You now have a character who I never thought would do that accent or could do that accent. And yeah. isn't that so great for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to get too deep in the weeds. Like we said, we're going to talk about this more uh, on a dedicated episode. But kind of can't highlight our excitement. And, you know, we really appreciate all you Poe heads out there. And so we thought if we're going to break this NDA for anyone, it's going to be all of you. And... Uh, so we're not telling you anything you don't know at this point, but, you know, we just want to share in the enthusiasm a little bit. Get you excited for Pedro oh, Boys coming soon. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm super excited. Um, mm-hmm. I As soon as it's out, I'm going to watch it, and then I'm going to call Josh um, mm-hmm. at whatever you're doing at work um, mm-hmm. and be like, it's on! And then we'll just record right there um, in the middle of whatever we're doing. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I might be teaching. I'd be like, shut up, kids. What's on? <laughs> Pedro boys. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yep. Pedro boys. Um, yep. And you'll be like, no more paperwork now. Don't launch those missiles. <laughs> Don't. Or whatever I do. Oh, wow. Your job's gotten a lot more uh, serious since the last time we <laughs> talked. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. We digress. That's the show for another day. I think tomorrow, look at our Twitter account. We'll explain that. Um, Oh, by the time this episode airs, by the way, it will have been one year since I won the Rogue One character contest. Oh, no. Doughboys. One year. Was that the episode? I haven't forgotten. We had like a 20-minute episode once because I wasn't as upset as you were, so you just like canceled the episode. That wasn't about the Doughboys, though. Was it? I thought it was about the Doughboys. I thought it was about an app or something. I don't know. All-timer, that one. Anyway, brushing that aside, I will not forget. I will not forget. (laughs) They will. I will find justice. No, they won't. No, I won't let them. Uh, I'm going to DM Nick Weiger. Resistance, though. We're here to talk about Resistance, and we can talk about Resistance. No NDAs here, and that's what this show is. This is still an episode of Poe Boys. Poe Boys. And we're going to get into this episode of Resistance that I was actually able to watch on Sunday. Uh As in days past, those glorious days past. Sit down with my coffee Sunday morning and watch this episode. And I don't don't think it was actually that I got to do that, that... Um, has made me enjoy this episode so much, but I will say I, I really liked this oh, episode. Oh, this, this, this was a top 10 episode. Yeah. And granted, at this huge, point, huge we are not even at 30 episodes total of this show. Right. But throw this one <laughs> uh, in the top 10. Actually, this might be 30. No, this is episode 6, I think. Right, and last season 22. was 24 episodes. Was it 24 or 22? Um, 
Good point. I mean, <laughs> you'd think people like us would would know this. I had it. Uh, I had it in my head that it was twenty four episodes because the pilot was split into two episodes or some such. Uh huh. Um, Whatever. But, I mean, yeah. it's top ten yeah. easily. Um, yeah, and a, and a welcome return from. Um, just the last two weeks, I was having some some issues with. It felt like it was kind of stuck in place or wasn't really moving, and it 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 lacked a certain sense of adventure for me. This episode immediately it doesn't build up. It's you you drop right in mid mission. Things are already happening. Uh-huh. You don't get the background. It's not all about like, we have to do this or that. You know that that's explained as they go through dialogue, and it's you got Cass. You got Tora, you got Flix and Orca, and, you know, CB whoever, and they're on that Star Tours little shuttle going oh, to yeah. the planet, which you learn is uh, Flix's home planet. No, not no, home no. Planet, actually. I'm not sure if it's his home planet, no. but it's a planet some of his cousins live on, and they have a fuel refinery, and they're going to try and get fuel from his cousins, and his cousins are drilling, and they have drilled too deep. And there's an issue with the drill and maybe, just maybe, a monster. And I got to point out at this point in Star Wars Resistance, um, the monsters in this, you have Chekhov's gun, which is a policy. It's, it's a writing kind of thing where, you know, if you have a gun mm-hmm. in Act 1, it needs to go off by Act 3. Resistance, to me, and I will simplify this with an individual, but I understand that it's a whole team of people here. But I'm going to call it Ridge's Monster after the supervising director, Justin Ridge. They promised a monster in this show. They freaking deliver. As soon as they said monster, I was like, there's going to be a monster. It's going to look awesome because they always design great monsters. And that propelled me through. The, I was, And it did not disappoint. Monster was great. It was very creative. Very weird. I wouldn't have come up with it. I loved it. I loved it. Ridge's monster. It's a thing. Well, it definitely is also adding, like, Star Wars has so many great monsters. Um, mm-hmm. And they just continue to add on to it um, yeah. with this episode. So, the premise of the episode is Flix takes Kaz and the crew to his homeward to acquire fuel from his family's refinery, only to discover the family's drilling has awoken something monstrous. So, we start off um, with, like, there's there's a storm, they can't see anything, and they barely land the ship, and then they run into, um, Flix's cousins, um, Fleck Flans Floob Fleas. Uh, Flanks was one of them, I think. Um, Flanks, Fleck, Flub, Fleas. Gotta stop here to point out, I was already, I was already loving this episode very quickly and endeared itself to me, but, um, I have, I have, uh, an app on my phone called Stitcher Premium that I use to listen to podcasts. Uh-huh. It tracks how long I've listened to podcasts. I got that app in December of last year. Um, I've listened since I got that app to 56 days of podcasts. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, 1,300 something hours. Yeah, it's, it's excessive. Um, Paul F. Tompkins, absolute head on the Mount Rushmore of podcasting. Uh, Spontaneous Nation is his podcast. He's, he shows up on Comedy Bang Bang all the time. He's, he's a very prolific podcast guest, responsible for hours of my entertainment. Thoroughly hilarious. Uh-huh. And he is the voice of Flakes, which I could tell immediately because I've listened to, you know, 56 days worth of his voice loved it was thrilled to find that out very exciting cut to the end credits turns out the other two 
cousins who don't have as much to do in the episode, but they're voiced by Pete Holmes. Um, well, the main person, Fleck, is mm-hmm. voiced by John Ennis. Um, and then... Who are you talking about Fleck? Yeah, Fleck. Fleck's the main one. No, the main one is Flanks. No, the main one's Flank. Yes. It's Fleck. It's Flanks. It's not. Um, okay. I mean, we can go back. But, uh... I mean... Yeah, you're wrong. Paul Tompkins is in the no, episode. No, he is in the episode. He's Flanks. But Fleck's the main one. Yeah, I know. No, Flanks is the one that's getting gobbled up by the monster and running all over the place. Because I would know, because I've listened to Paul Tompkins' voice. Fleck is the one that ends up, you know, wanting to drill a bunch, and then he gets taken, and somehow he's strong enough to push up the jaw of the dragon so that he can save himself. Yeah, no, that's Flanks. Uh, Well, there's Flanks, Flex, Floob, and Fleas. Um, And Fleck is, is the main one. No. So, in this in it's this blanks. episode, because Paul Tompkins, we have a great we have a great blanks. elevator scene. It's Fleck. Um, it was Fleck. We have a great elevator scene. I, it, this it, guy, I'm going to quit the podcast. It's Fleck, and we have it we have this we have not. this great episode. It was Fleck. Um, we have this great. It's we, not it's, even a little bit. There's Fleck, Flans, Flim, please. Find out. You want to watch the episode real quick and then go oh, back. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Um, all right. Oh, that's great. It was uh, Fleck. All right, uh-huh. Josh, you gotta stop this. All right, we disagree you, on this. You gotta just. We you gotta we just we disagree on this. That all right. I would be right about Fleck this flanks. because I would have experience and knowledge oh my gosh probably lend me an edge oh my gosh argument. there's fleck flans flume and fleas all right i think it's fleck you think it's flax that's no but i don't think i know oh my gosh jo- is it okay do you want me to say you're right josh to make you feel better i want you oh it's 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 right. it's flanks it's definitely flanks paul f tompkins um is flanks it's fine. We're going to look into this later, and you'll understand So right. they go, um, and Fleck and crew are like, hey, we're not going like, to give you this fuel. you got to earn it. And Kaz is like, I'm this master engineer, clearly from the last episode titled The Engineer. I'll fix it. You give us the fuel. Which makes me think that um, these guys really have no idea what they're doing. Because... Kaz is a terrible engineer. Josh? Huh? Oh my gosh, Josh. <laughs> I'm just reading Wikipedia. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You're so... <laughs> this is insane to me that you would decide oh to die on this hill, Pete. This isn't the hill I'm dying on. I'm trying to... M- this is I'm insane trying- to me that you wouldn't just say, Oh, that makes Josh, sense. Josh, Josh would know. Josh, this is insane Josh, to me. you have to stop being so serious about stuff all right this is like josh we're moving if this josh was some we're sort moving of on eerie based school do not, teacher do not, was doing do the not voice, say and i was like do, no that's not do him. not say where i'm from Crazy. all right so oh, they go on this elevator all right and mm-hmm. um it's pretty i i mean there's not many elevator scenes in the star wars universe everything goes completely wrong um torah and Orca uh, by Bobby Moynihan end up staying on the ladder to climb up and then everybody else goes down as the like thing collapses. And it's also answered this question that I don't think is real in real life, um, but they do it in the show is if an elevator is 
falling, you know, like 100 stories, and you jump right before it crashes, do you actually survive that? And Star Wars Resistance is saying, yeah, um, <laughs> you can you can drop like down to the Earth's core in terms of an elevator. As long as you jump right before and there happens to be a platform, you'll be completely fine. I mean, physics is different in the Star Wars universe, you know, there's sound in space. You know, it's that kind of thing. Uh huh. Anyway, we get to see the dragon for the first time. And it's honestly not what I was expecting. No, me neither. Um, but it, it was like a worm thing had a weird head. It was cool, but yeah, they definitely it was it was, it was not a phoned-in design. Somebody put some imagination behind that. And it brings me to a point that I was thinking of. Um, I just rewatched Last Jedi, so I'm now my rewatch is done. Um, Did you rewatch all of them or just the last just the last two? two. So I, I rewatched mm-hmm. um, Force Awakens, and then I really wanted to pay attention to the Cantina scene after the Resistance episode that had um, that new alien in it, the the bat, the furry bat guy that you hate. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just kind of paying attention more to the Canto Bite um, characters and stuff. So I rewatched that a couple times, but. Um, as you're aware, in um, Last Jedi, there's the big like environmental message and how we need to not try it. Like the force is something that's not meant to be controlled. It's something that's all around us and that we not we shouldn't manipulate it. In Resistance, they've been doing the exact opposite, where they just keep showing over and over again, like, hey, we see this wild endangered cre- creature. Let's try and eat it. So Kill I assume it. next episode... Kill it in its own home. Aunt Z is going to be like, man, there are no side dishes to go with this, you know, m- monster. And Kaz is going to be like, do you want me to go get some dragon? I'll go get some dragon. I'll go hunt it. Because um, that was my... Well, first she'll say, there's no side dishes, and so I'm going to leave. And then everyone will say, we can't let them leave. If they leave, they'll be gone. Oh gosh, we gotta do something. And then the pirates would be like, "We're gonna go get side dishes for you." And they're like, "Oh, you can't let them do that. It'll undermine my authority." But you also can't let them leave. And then yeah, they'll kill a bunch of like coleslaw people or something. Coleslaw people. So I I just immediately thought like, "Oh no, they're gonna hunt this the next episode." Oh the <laughs> yeah. Because that seems to be their their thing is like, "Oh, let's kill it." So they're yeah they. They run around in the mine. The dragon's all loose. There's multiple dragons. They get split up. Yada, yada. Uh, I mean, they don't really end up... They don't kill them. They ward them off. They seal off the tunnel. Uh, Flanks says he's not going to drill that deep anymore. Tells everybody, we drill too deep. The dragons are real. They're not make-believe. They get flicks in everybody. The fuel. Uh-huh. Uh, all is well and good. Um... Not, not more than implied that Flix and Orca are a couple, to my mind. Orca says, I love that guy. But he says it in a way, he's like, man, I love that guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, they, there's a conversation to be had about they this. Also, which they I also think, say, though, um, the guys are like, oh, they picked a good one. In or- like, he picked a good one in Orca. His Orca goes, like, you know, hog wild. Um, on those cousins and is like, hey, 
you're going to shut up and I'm going to go save these people. Get out of my way. Right. Do they specifically say he picks a good one, though? Yeah. They make a comment. As soon as Orca, like, scares them away, um, they make a comment that um, Flicks picked a good one in Orca. Well, if they said that, that would count, I would think. Uh-huh. But I think the broader conversation I have about this, though, is also, like, it's important that I don't... Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to insist that a gay character have their sexuality paraded about like some sort of check on a horrible bingo card on a horrible podcast, which is, I guess, what we're doing. But, you know, when they make a big deal and have an Entertainment Weekly article about saying, like, yes, these two characters are gay, and they, which is great, but when the powers that be behind the episode sort of, I couldn't help but feel like maybe they were patting themselves on the back but not committing uh-huh. to that decision. And I still feel that a little bit. I mean, again, I don't, you know, a gay character shouldn't have their sexuality be flaunted around any more than any other character if it doesn't have anything to do with the story at hand. But if they're going to be releasing this whole giant piece and be like, oh, these characters are actually gay, but it's not in the text. It comes down to the same thing as, you know, Dumbledore. You know, J.K. Rowling want to have her cake and eat it too. And, you know, she can say, oh, yeah, Dumbledore's gay. And I was like, well, it's great, but you didn't. You know, you had thousands of pages to maybe make that statement and represent that part of that character, and you didn't. So I don't know. I'm torn on that. Um, I think it counts. But I don't. I, I think. I think. Um, I have to go. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that line because I, I. This episode seemed primed for something like that, mm-hmm. and I didn't. But I maybe I missed it because I remember the scene you're talking about. I don't remember him specifically. He picked a good one. Hmm. Um, but if that is the case, that would you know that'd be something. The other thing I'll say about this episode is that so you were talking about how it's a welcome from the last three episodes, and I would say last two. It's actually not. I liked the first one with the monster. It hasn't been a big change though in the episodes. I mean, we're seeing this kind of uh, methodical. It's Kaz and Tora, and then somebody revolves around them. So like it was Niku mm-hmm. and whoever the traitor was. Um, and then the last episode was the hunting episode. So it's just, I think what enhanced this episode was the planet that they were on and Flix and Orca being the central characters, because those are just two extremely interesting characters, um, to talk about. Yeah. Do you remember that Flix was nine feet tall? That he was so tall? Uh, I think yeah. he was just bending down, you know? I guess so. Um, he's very tall. Yeah. He's super tall. Um, I, I would agree that it is, you know, the Flix and Orca went a long way. But I guess, like, to my previous points about the last two episodes, feeling like they're kind of stuck in place and there's no momentum, I would put my money on if you trimmed the last two episodes out. If they were gone, uh-huh. if two weeks ago this episode aired, I'm going to miss a beat. Nothing was nothing. I'm sure some characters, I'm sure Nina will probably come up again. It seemed like they were setting that up. But the the from the big giant, the first episode with the big giant stingray to this episode, everything that happened between to me just felt like stasis. And I think if you if I showed you the second season, Sam's two episodes, I just removed these two episodes. And this was the fourth episode of the season. No, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't miss a beat. And I don't know that there would. It just feels like there's no value added in those last two episodes. Um, oh, then I mean, again, Nina's an interesting character, things like that. But so far as the momentum of the show is concerned, I would I would agree with that. 
I mean, I'm, I'm not a, a huge defender of let's kill an endangered species episode and then yeah, that's Niku's <laughs> psycho that's girlfriend episode. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but yeah, like we were saying, this was, a, this was a really good episode. I feel like Tora has gotten a little more nuanced, I think, early on. Tora's great. And it could just be the change, change in environment. I mean, now she's you know in a leadership position. Things are serious. She's not just bored out of her mind hold up in a bedroom but you know in the first season she in the early episodes of the first season she just seems like she's quirky and we never really got enough time with her for her to be anything other than quirky and whereas in this episode and in episodes past this season she's really gotten to shine more as a character mm-hmm. and that's been cool um the early part of their ascent of the ladder after the elevator crashes orca is on Taurus back and then she makes him climb up the ladder, and then he doesn't even want to do that anymore, and she has to convince him to keep going up the ladder. It reminded me of when I try every year to talk Pete into doing a Tough Mudder with me, only Tora was successful. Um, and listeners, um, our international listeners, Tough Mudder is this thing in America, I hope it's only in America, where you do, you're in the mud, um, and you do these series of um athletic events that are also torture so like you like what go through some shot the only one that's torture is when you get yeah. electrocuted the, the, the only one that's torture uh, see and you just saying you only get electrocuted um no i'm saying that's the only one that's torture yeah. uh, i don't like getting electrocuted <laughs> i don't do it anymore i did it the first like four times i don't do it anymore i've done my right. time yeah um i think i've successfully explained um the tough mutter to our foreign listeners um so next week's episode is the whoa whoa we're not even done with this week's episode what else do you have with with this episode i appreciate that the fuel in this episode was just called fuel there's a thought there's a thought they just said fuel they just said fuel one coaxium it wasn't obtainium it wasn't gasoline it's also super weird though because it was like an entire it was a tank of fuel when that mm-hmm. little like flash drive size thing was what got them into hyperspace. Yeah, fuel's weird. Um, Which I mean, it it could just be got... like you know, you have your gasoline, your um, LNG, you have your biofuels. So it could just be like that equivalent for um, powering ships. Could be. Uh, I've expressed in the past my admiration for Christopher Sean's efforts, which is when, you know, as a voice actor, you have to, you know, do grunts and groans and, you know, make it sound like you're putting in an effort. <laughs> Stuff like that. So all-time great efforts from Christopher Sean as that elevator's going down, and he's hitting the lever to mm-hmm. keep it up, and is basically squealing. <laughs> really nailed it. I don't know, like, I'd love to see the footage of that. Maybe he was just, like, that tickled was, a bunch, and he was fantastic. like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to me, when Flick shows up and his cousins come out of the mine and they're in mining hats and they're in their, you know, work clothes, it very much seemed to me to perhaps be an homage to Zoolander. Okay. I didn't, I mean. Where Zoolander goes home and his family, played by like John Voight and Vince Vaughn, are, are coal miners. <laughs> and they come out of the mines, and Zoolander's all Zoolander. 
and they're all covered in soot, and they have a helmet with the light on and all this stuff. I'm just saying, could this be an homage to Zoolander? I don't know. Crazier things. Um, Charmander, Charmeleon. Bulbasaur, Ivysaur. Porg, Flix? No. <laughs> yep. That's canon. And Shades of the Zillow Beast here. Two episodes of Clone Wars this, this remind me of. I couldn't help but wonder if it was straight up going to be a Zillow Beast in this episode. Uh, it's sort of a similar There's no way that they would not be prepared Wars. for a Zillow Beast. Very true. Uh, Zillow Beast was an episode, a monster from an episode of Clone Wars that I think also in, maybe involved mining or bombing. It was subterranean and came to, you know. And then, you know, when they're... First, when they're landing on the planet, and then when they're descending in the elevator, it's very muted colors. It's just like a greenish, brownish, brownish gas everywhere. Uh-huh. It's just like monochrome everywhere. And it reminded me of an episode of Clone Wars, and so the, a sunny day in the void. Infamously, uh, not not a fan favorite. Is that the droid one? Yeah, where they're just on that desert planet. And it's just like a horizon, like an orange horizon. Uh Um, And in that episode, I found that kind of monochromatic setting. It came off to me as very bland. It wasn't very engaging. In this episode, I thought it was very similarly uh, overwhelmingly drab aesthetic. Not a lot going on visually, but I found it very effective. I found it heightened. Um, And I thought they did a really good job with that. So perhaps they're taking some lessons they learned from Sunny Day in the Void. Who knows? I, th- I thought they did a really good job with that. And then I have two quotes that I liked, both from Paul Tompkins' flanks when he falls. And he says, my tail feathers broke my fall. I liked that. But I also like when uh, he's not convinced that the dragon exists. And he says, watch out for the imaginary dragon. You might imaginary die. Nailed it. That was a good one. Paul Tompkins, ladies and gentlemen. And that's all my notes. And I didn't get to check anything off on my card this week. So three spots out of 25. One of them is a free spot. That's great. Um, So next week's episode is titled... This one sounds good. um, It's episode 28, and it's titled The Relic Raiders. When Kaz and the team arrive on a mysterious planet to buy supplies... They find the outpost has been abandoned and a secret Sith temple has been raised. How's raised spelled? How you normally spell it? Raised like raised or raised like raised? Oh, um, raised like raised. Without a Z. No Z. Z. Gotcha. Um, which this might just be kind of like, um, in Rebels where you find the Jedi temple on, um, oh my god, what is that planet called? Don't worry about it. You don't want to spoil it. Um, but it's like it's like that. Like there was a temple, and then they just like stumble upon the the temple. Yeah. But raised to me, and this is I assuming R I I S E D, to me implies new. No. Like built. Oh, it's. I think it's. I think it's. It's going to be an old temple that they stumble upon. We will find out. Um. But this is, this might be the Children of Tahar episode too. Oh boy, it, it, I'm sure, I'm sure of it. So, that symbol, baby. Um, so we 
or at least going to this one of those episodes is going to add to the further canon of the Jedi and the Sith um, without adding any actual information that we care about. Um, (laughs) Next week. um, So tomorrow is our first episode of Pedro Boys. Um, Yeah, we intend for that to come out Friday the 15th. mm -hmm. And I wasn't I wasn't there in the production for this. Um, like in the editing room. So the title of That's the post production, the title of the episode is Chapter One. Whoa! What a cool, what a cool title! That's so cool. That's rad. And the first episode is edited by Dave Filoni, then some guy named Rick Famuji. Fam, you mean director? Um, Rick Famujiwa, and then Debrich. Directed and then Doe. Deborah Chow. Those are the first three episodes. Deborah Chow being the person who's hired to direct the Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, uh, and then we have um, the, all the episodes are in chapters, um, which is pretty cool. Which they did get from us. They're doing Roman numerals, right? They got that from us. Um. Yeah, they did. So. Um, Enjoy the episode tomorrow, Poheads. Um, other mm-hmm. than Pedro boys coming at you. Other ya. than that, have a good one. See ya.